good morning. If it's your first time here, we have been, first of all, thank you for joining us this morning. We've been going through uh, this letter to a group of people at a place called Philippi. It's written by a, nam- a man named Paul. And uh, we've been going through that letter over the last month or so, and we'll wrap that up next week. But just to catch you up, if you've been here, you already know this, but basically what we've been looking at is this idea and this theme that you can see throughout Philippians that you can really either walk through life in one of two ways. You can walk through life like a thermometer, that is, whatever the conditions are around you, you will register those conditions, or you can walk through life like a thermostat, meaning that maybe there's this power beyond you that's at work inside you that affects the climate around you. And and we've been talking about that idea. Now, let me just say this. If you have gotten absolutely nothing from from our time in Philippians the last month, that's okay. In a very practical way right now, I want to tell you one way, even if you discard everything, one place you can apply this thermometer versus thermostat thing, okay? I discovered this a couple weeks ago. The grocery store, all right, the grocery store. I mean, there's this old advice, and it's, you guys all know it. It's, it's don't go to the grocery store when you are, yeah, I just learned that a couple weeks ago, okay. So I walked into King Supers, and um, I look back, and I just go, Nathan, you had one job, one job. Kara, my wife, sent me out the door with a list of four items, and they were the basics. I mean, it was milk, bread, cheese, eggs. Not that hard to remember. Okay, so I get halfway to King Supers. I get a call from Kara. She said, hey, you forgot the list. I was like, no big deal. I can remember this. And I got into King Supers, and I saw two people from here that I knew, and I got talking, and this mental list I was holding in my brain was gone, absolutely gone. So next time, if I see you at King Supers and I ignore you, it's not because I don't want to say hi. It's because I know how much trouble I'm in if I forget the list. So I'm sitting here, I, I get done with these conversations, I'm walking into the store, and I don't know, I don't know, well, I know what happened, but I don't know how I got to aisle 12. You know what's on aisle 12? Double stuffed Oreos. Okay, and, and I went, I'm pretty sure that was on the list. So anyhow, um, and, and then I don't know how, like, three containers of them got into my cart. And then I don't know how, but this King Supers employee came down the aisle, and I actually now know when the Nabisco truck delivery happens at this King Supers at Ken Carroll and Sims during the week. And then on the way to the register, I don't really know how, like half a bag got into my stomach before I even paid for it. But I got home, and and, well, let me just tell you what I wasn't thinking about in this whole process, okay? I wasn't thinking about my wife's reaction at all. And, and when she said, hey, did you, did you get any of the lists? I said, well, milk goes with Oreos. Uh, so I got the, the milk. But um, I just figured, here, have a double stuff Oreo. And it worked, actually. It worked. I only gave her one, but it worked. So I wasn't thinking about her reaction. And I also wasn't thinking about the regret that you feel about an hour after eating too many of these things, where you're sitting there and you go, what was, what was I doing? doing? What was I thinking? I never want to see another one of those again. I mean, the kids want to go out and play, and I can't even get off the couch. But I also wasn't thinking about the mindset with which I walked into King Supers. 
I wasn't thinking about it at all, and I realized in retrospect that there is this very, there's a very practical thing that we got to know today, and we're going to get into this as we get into the next part of Philippians. It's simply this, that appetites, appetites are magnified or satisfied based on what they're fed. Because isn't it true you have quite a few appetites? I mean, we all have appetites, right? There's an appetite for success, and there's an appetite for progress, and there's an appetite for sleep, and there are appetites for food, and there are appetites uh, to be loved and to be cared for, and there are all kinds of appetites. But here's what happens. Here's the other thing I didn't think about. One hour after having all these Oreos, I didn't want to see another one, but what happened like four hours after I had them? Yeah, you know what sounds good for dinner? The Oreos I just bought, honey, Oreos and milk, because our appetites eventually want more. And based on what I've been feeding it, based on what I let the grocery store and my hunger and my appetite tell me, I just wanted more and more and more of the same. Now, you know not to go into a grocery store hungry, and you know not to go into a grocery store letting your appetite determine what's going to go in your cart. And Paul would say, as we look at what he has to say today, he says, that's not just for the grocery store. It's not just for the grocery store. That's actually for walking through life. Take a look at what he has to say in the next part of his letter to the Philippians. This is in uh, chapter 3, verse 18. He's just gotten done telling them, listen, follow my example. Even though I'm in prison and you're in Philippi, Philippians, follow my example. And he says, why? He says, for... As I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, even with tears means that I actually, I really care. This is, this is not nameless, faceless people. These are people that Paul held near and dear. Even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, what's that about, Paul? Well, it's tied to an appetite when you look at what he has to say next. Because in verse 19, he says, their destiny is their destruction. Now, I don't get up every single day, and I don't know anybody in here who gets up every single day and says, you know what? Destruction today, that's what we're going for. Nobody gets up and thinks that, but everybody can relate to this next part. Maybe not in his words, but he says, their destiny is their destruction, their God is their stomach. Now, you maybe wouldn't call your stomach God, but when you wake up in the morning, when you woke up this morning, if you could, if you could think of the different, the, just your body, what starts calling out first thing in the morning? Stomach. The stomach says, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Feed me. Put something in me, all right? So our stomach can actually guide us. It can make our decisions, and, and this is what he's getting at. And he says, and their glory is in their shame. Their glory is in their shame. That is, if I were to just listen to my stomach all the time, I'd probably putting, start putting stuff in my shopping cart that's probably not what I was supposed to get, right? I still am buying the Oreos, just so you know. But anyhow, but you look at them and you just think, how did they get there? How does somebody get to that point where they could say, oh, my, my stomach's driving everything? And, and there were people around at that time at Philippi who, because of the freedom they had in Christ, they just indulged and indulged and indulged in food, and it was all about the body. And Paul says, you want to know why they've gotten to that point? Why they, their glory is in their shame? 
He says it in the next part of chapter, uh, verse 19. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their mind is set on earthly things. They're always wanting more. And there's, there's a, an actual mindset, an earthly mindset that can drive our appetites. And, an appetite is magnified when it's fed by an earthly mindset is what Paul's getting at here. In other words, children of the 80s and 90s, maybe Guns N' Roses was onto something when they named that album Appetite for Destruction. Not that I know anything about it because my mom said, don't go buy that, Nathan. And I actually just admitted to her just now that I did go buy that, even when she said not to. <laughs> but I, I will never forget, we used to take this, uh, these junior hires down to this, uh, this land in southern Colorado, near La Vida, Colorado. And I will never forget coming back from one of these trips to La Vida. There were these two junior hires, and we would always stop for lunch in, you maybe you're familiar with Colorado City, okay? The exit at Colorado City has two gas stations, one on either side of the highway. And we would always stop at this gas station to get lunch on the way back. And these two junior high boys, I mean, most people would get, like, there was a subway in there where you could get pizza. These two junior high boys, they're like, Nathan, look what we found and they held up out of the frozen section in this gas station a burrito that is larger than anything I've ever seen in my life. And in giant capital letters, the label of the name of the burrito said, The Bomb. <laughs> and they're like, isn't this awesome? And I was like, well, I don't know if I'd call it awesome, but it's going to be a fun memory one day. And <laughs> so they microwaved this thing. And they ate it, and we got back to about Santa Fe and C-470, and who do you think came running? They're like, we have to stop. I was like, guys, we're seven minutes from the church. He's like, we, we have to stop. And I was like, this is, this is kind of funny. I mean, I'm going to, they're never going to forget this trip. So we actually got back to the church, but I have never seen two boys just, no pun intended, explode off the bus like that, Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was, and then they just, they came back. I thought, wow, they came back. But see, that's kind of what happens. When we're driven by an earthly mindset, then the appetite only gets magnified, and you think they would have learned, but they eventually were in the high school group, and I'd watch what they would eat on trips, and I just went, wow, it's true. It just kind of keeps going, and it keeps on growing. And Paul, Paul, when you look at what he says next, he said, you don't have to be driven, and your appetites don't have to be magnified by an earthly mindset. They can actually be satisfied by a different kind of mindset. And here's what he has to say in verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. And this is something he's been talking about throughout the letter. That you're citizens, not of the physical location that you're in, but from somewhere else, from heaven, the heavenly realms. He says, and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. You see that word in there, await? That's, that's the one word that our appetites really don't like to hear, isn't it? Await. Because Paul understands, Paul understands that if I reach out and I grab for the thing that I think is going to fill me, I'm only going to want more. But if I will await, and if I will direct my mind 
to what the heavenly realms want and take on a heavenly mindset. You never live without an appetite, but it can be satisfied instead of magnified. It doesn't mean you're never hungry again for anything, but I don't need to clench onto it, and I don't need to just close my hands around everything that I think is going to fill me. See, an appetite is magnified if it's fed by an earthly mindset, but it can be satisfied if it's fed by a heavenly mindset. Now, Paul is actually going to dive into, because I'm not going to talk to you about food all day today, despite what it sounds like. Paul talks about one area, and this could go a lot of different directions, a lot of different areas, but just one area that this is so applicable. And he actually highlights a situation that's going on at the church at Philippi. It's at the beginning of chapter 4. Here's what he says. He says, I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. In other words, you want to know where your appetites are really at work? It's in relationships. I mean, there are all kinds of relational appetites. And he says, I, I plead with them to be of, of the same mind in the Lord. Now, we don't know the nature of their disagreement, but for Paul to highlight it in a letter to the church, my guess is it's pretty significant. And my guess is these two ladies are likely, when you look at what he has to say next, and we'll get there in a moment, my guess is they're probably in some form of leadership in the church. In other words, their disagreement and maybe their appetites that they're fighting for have the potential to bring all kinds of destruction, all kinds of it. I mean, think about, just think about, we don't know the nature of their disagreement, but we could guess, couldn't we? Because in your relationships and in my relationships, don't we have some appetites? Especially when there's a disagreement. I mean, there's an appetite to be right. There's an appetite for maybe you to see my viewpoint and you want me to see your viewpoint and not just see it, but agree with it. There's an appetite to have the last word. And all of this, all of this is actually born out of some other appetites we have. Because we have appetites to be loved. And we have appetites to be cared for and cherished and respected. And Paul does this really brilliant thing here. He says, look, 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 I, whatever the disagreement is, he's going to point them to something much bigger than whatever appetite is flaring up at that moment. Whatever relational appetite is there. Here's what he says in verse 3. He says, yes, and I ask you, my true companion, the church, to help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Do you see him pointing back from before this moment? He's saying, look, this relationship, despite the disagreement, despite the appetites that are coming up, this disagreement pales in comparison to the broader context of your relationship. He says, they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. See, Paul is pointing them, and Paul is pointing us. He's saying, look, when those appetites come up, an earthly mindset is going to say, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that, I want my way, I want the last word, I want to be right. And Paul says, look broader. I, I, I mean, think about the relationship. Think about the broad context and the broad timeline, ladies. He's saying, you guys don't need to have this disagreement. I mean, isn't it true that when you get hungry for something, 
that maybe deep down you know only God can fully supply, isn't it so easy to start looking left and right for it? And we have a word for it, even a a more recent term today. When we're not getting what we can really only get from God, from other people, we start to get a little hangry, don't we? We get a little frustrated and we, we begin to like try to grab on and force it from people in our relationships. Well, he continues. Two verses later, this much needed reminder. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Why, why gentle, Paul? Because of the next phrase, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. I mean, would that change things if you knew? If you knew, in the midst of an appetite flaring up, whatever the area of life, but especially in our relationships, if you knew that the Lord was near, would that cause you to maybe scale back whatever, whatever you're trying to force, whatever we're so aggressively pursuing? Would that, would that cause you to maybe be a little bit more gentle? This was so convicting as I read it because I went, oh my goodness, a heavenly mindset is really about remembering what and who you have access to. He's right there. The Lord is near. And so the question for us really comes down to this. It really comes down to which mindset has access to my appetites? Which mindset has access to my appetites? And this is where Paul Paul is going to get very practical now because if you've been following along with us over the last month, it's really been all about a perspective shift, right? Paul's in prison and he's giving perspective on his circumstances. And then Paul's in prison and he's giving perspective on the people around him. And, And then Paul looks at the Philippians and he realizes they're facing opposition and he's giving them perspective, perspective, perspective. Now, now Paul's gonna shift and he's gonna get very practical Because here's what Paul really wants for the Philippians, and here's what God really wants for you and me, is to bring a heavenly mindset to our earthly matters. Would that change? Would that change some things about day-to-day life? Would that change some things in the areas that we've been talking about over the last month, whether it's our circumstances, or as we look in the mirror and we think about our identities, or as we just talked about in our relationships? I think it would. I think it would. And so three suggestions I want to show you that Paul makes as we continue through this passage. Three suggestions for cultivating a heavenly mindset about our earthly matters. Application number one, it says this in in, um, verse six. He says, do not be anxious about anything, about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you notice the focus here? Who is the focus not? Us. Who is the focus? Him. It's him. Jesus Christ. He says, listen, if you're going to go somewhere, if, if in the middle of a relational disagreement you've got an appetite flaring up, instead of going to them, why don't you go to him? What if you were to go to him? Because that idea of prayer is about conversation. It's about asking. It's about intimacy with him. 
petition? Have you signed a petition lately? One just came across TV screen the other day about the nuggets and the avalanche, getting them back on TV. There's a giant petition going on, going around right now. Because there are networks, or there are people, that are just, they want to get the nuggets and the avalanche back on TV. Now, if you've ever signed a petition, you know that's really all you can do. You don't sign a petition and then go try to force things along. You just go, okay, I'm going to leave it at a petition. But then Paul adds something. He says, with thanksgiving. In other words, the understanding that he has heard. Thank you, God, that you just heard it. I mean, isn't it nice to just know that he knows? Can that just kind of help you? <sighs> okay, I can breathe. And so the first application really is to just to talk with him before you deal with them. Because so often, don't we get that in reverse? We run out the door because I need something and I want to be filled by something. And so we try to get from one another what he says, just come talk to me about it. So Paul says, go, go talk with him before you deal with them. Before you listen to what they say about you, have you talked to him? Every single day. Before you've gone out to work, to school, to practice, to whatever's going on, before I hear anybody's words to me, have I heard his words to me? Paul says, you want to cultivate a heavenly mindset? Talk to him before you deal with them. And then he gets into a list. And it's a list that as I, as I look at this list, I think, man, it's the grocery list. I, I told my wife, I, I don't need the shopping list. Paul says, you need this list. This is a list that will help keep you in a heavenly mindset. And at the end of this list, he actually says this thing. He says, think about these things. Think about such things. Do you ever think about what you're thinking about? I know that's kind of like, wait, i got to think about that for a minute. But do you ever think about the thoughts that you're thinking about? Paul says, it's worth it. It's worth it. Look at what he says. He says, whatever, whatever is true, question for you. The, the thoughts that you're having, are they true? And the reason I want to walk through this list is because the thoughts that we think when strung together become what? Well, they become narratives. And they become, they become stories that we tell ourselves. And isn't it true you can think yourself into a story that is just completely false? And so Paul says, is it true? I mean, are the thoughts that you're thinking true? Not do you wish they were true, but are they true? He goes on. Whatever is noble. Now, when I think of noble, I think of royalty, right? And when I looked up nobility, I, I saw this definition that I can't remember every single word, but it talks about this, this tie to, like, the aristocracy of society, which said the aristocracy of society is, like, the best, most able people of society, and I came back to our thoughts, and I thought, well, am I thinking able thoughts? Am, am I thinking, are the true thoughts I'm thinking, are they the best thoughts that I could be thinking? He moves on to whatever is right. Whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right. And I think a lot of times what we do is we justify and we say, well, it's true, and it might not be a right thought. I mean, let me give you an example. I, can, I know what is true is I can sprint faster than my two-year-old nephew, okay? It's true. 
It's true. But could you imagine if I walked around, I was like, guess what? I'm faster than Joseph. You probably wouldn't think I was all that cool, right? See, it's not just true. It's not just noble. It's right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is pure. Ladies, do you ever hope, like, if, if somebody were to walk up and hand you a piece of jewelry and they told you that it was diamond, 40% pure diamond, is that very exciting? Here, or, or here's a question for everybody in the room. If I were to hand you a glass of water and you said, oh, thank you for the water, I'm so thirsty, and I said, it is 70% pure, are you drinking that? I know someone here that might, actually, for money, for a bet, right? But no, is it pure? The way I like to think about pure is, am I thinking thoughts that line up with God's original created image of that person? Of their potential that he had in mind? Are my thoughts lined up with that? Next word, he says, whatever is lovely. And I got to admit, I just think of my grandma when I hear this word. Because every single time throughout my life, I would tell my grandma a story on the phone. And she's from Australia, and I can't do an Australian accent. But her response every single time. I mean, I could tell her that I just hit my sister. And she'd go, oh, Nathan, that's lovely. <laughs> would your grandmother approve of these thoughts? That's lovely, Okay. Except for my grandma, because again, if I, and maybe she thought it was lovely that I hit my sister. I don't know, but is it lovely? Whatever is admirable. When I think admirable, I think about people I admire, people that I look up to. And it's, it's, it's a good question to ask. Are my thoughts ones that could be looked up to by somebody else? And finally... He says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. In other words, application number two, you want to cultivate a heavenly mindset about earthly matters? You talk to him before you deal with them. And then Paul says, number two, you think about what you're thinking about. You, you have a choice. You can think thoughts from an earthly mindset or from a heavenly mindset. Every single time it snows, I think about this. If I were to look out the front side of our house, and let's say we've gotten like four inches of snow, you know, the county doesn't get to plowing cul-de-sacs right away. Okay, so out the front side of our house, if I look at our cul-de-sac, I just think, wow, snow day. Awesome. Then I look out the back, and we, we can see Kipling, and it's like dry, and the sun is out. And, and we really have a choice. Where are we going to direct our thoughts? What if, what if you just memorize this list right here? Eight words. Eight words that if you got to work on memorizing them, and if I got to work on memorizing them, that in itself begins to affect our thinking, doesn't it? Yeah. And then finally, he says this, application number three. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now, this just kind of seems like a kind of a verse that you would just fly right through. But that whatever you've seen or learned or heard from me, put it into practice, that's actually where he began the passage we started talking about today. He said, follow my example. Follow my example. And this is not egotistical. This is Paul saying, look, I know the battle 
And so if you need an example, Paul understands he's no substitute for Jesus, but if you need an earthly example of what it looks like, Paul says, follow my example. In other words, application number three is pay attention to where you place your attention. Because there are all kinds of examples being held up for our younger people today, aren't there? Paul says, pay attention to where you're placing your attention. I was reminded of this years ago when we, when we worked with youth. Kara, um, my wife, she, she said to the, to the girls in the youth group, she said, listen, come up with a list. Come up with a list of, of standards you have for a spouse one day. Come up with it, and let's talk about the criteria of that. And so she would work over like the course of a couple weeks with these girls to come up with these lists. And, and they said, well, where did, you, where did you learn this? And she said, well, I had one. And I went, oh, really? Uh, what was on your list, honey? She's like, tall, dark, handsome. Check, all right? No, but I, di I didn't find out until all these years later that she had done that. Now, I, I really am curious what was on that list, but I thought that, okay, maybe, maybe that was like a youth ministry thing. And then uh, it was about a month ago, I hear her talking to Lainey, our oldest daughter, and she said, you should make a list. You should make a list. And see, I don't even want to think about this yet. I don't, I don't want to think about, but I'm glad. I'm glad that she said, Lainey, follow my example. Because in, where is Lainey? In 40 years, in 40 years, <laughs> this part of the sermon is just for you. When a boy comes through the doors, guess what your parents are going to want to know? Does he have an earthly mindset or a heavenly mindset? Because if he has an earthly mindset, she's well, not going to cut it. I mean, I'm a pastor, and I want boys to know Jesus, but I'm not beyond arranging the meeting with Jesus either, all right? <laughs> I, I'm not beyond it as a dad. Yeah. Probably getting emails about that one. So, um, <laughs> do we have a heavenly mindset? about our earthly matters, whether it's identity, whether it's relationships, circumstances, opportunities, you name it. Are we bringing a heavenly mindset to earthly matters? Paul says, if you want to, then talk to him before you deal with them every single day. Think about what you're thinking about and pay attention to where you place your attention. Let me pray and we'll close. Heavenly Father, Thank you once again that, I mean, just, it, I'm, I'm constantly amazed at how you use your, your spirit to illuminate every single word that you've given us. And so, this word, we've talked about it this morning, but I pray that you would stir every single heart in here to go home and look at this this week, to look at your word and to think about what it is you want us to think about, the, the mindset you want us to have, and then Heavenly Father, let us see you every step of the way in every area of life. Give us your heavenly mindset on earthly matters. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.